Welcome to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 57. Each Wednesday, we'll cover the best tips, ideas, and strategies for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, if you think that you're a pro at multitasking, think again. Multitasking is a myth, and it's really friggin' bad for you. Let's bust that myth right now. All right, before we start talking about the stupid idea of multitasking and why it is a myth and it, you know why it's time that it died and it really needs to, uh, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that we are careening towards the end of season three. I can't believe we've almost made it through three full seasons of the show. The end of the season will come at the end of the month, so we'll be off and back to little episodes for December and January, you know, take some time for the holidays and some time to rest and relax. And I just got note from my the, the company that hosts the show and they told me that I've published 75 episodes and that's pretty sweet. I think that's really awesome. I really appreciate it if you've been around for all 75 of those episodes. Those include the little episodes, of course, and that one little episode where I was sick and couldn't do a show. So that's included there too. But overall, we've been together for 75 straight weeks. So thank you so much if you've been a part of the audience for that long or even for just this week. I really appreciate that you are here. So uh, next season, you can expect some a few changes. You know, I like to retool the show in between each season. I come up with some new ideas and kind of make the show, uh, I think, better every season. You know, you know that I'm all about optimizing. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to streamline the show even more. We're going to focus on productivity and all of the things that are associated with that. We're still going to do things, obviously, that make life and work easier, but the show is going to be all about productivity and all its forms. And yes, that will still include life hacks and uh, you know all this stuff about laundry that I like to talk about and and things like anything that's productivity related that's what we're talking about so that's where the show is headed and we'll have some slightly refreshed branding and you know stuff like that so I think you'll really like it also over that hiatus I'm going to release another survey and I will be giving away more gift cards and I will also be giving away access free access to folks who do the survey to a few of them to my upcoming mini course called Craft Your Big Goals. And speaking of Craft Your Big Goals, this is, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm very close. I've got about 90% of the planning done. I just now have to sit and, and shoot the video and edit that video. As soon as that's done, it's going to be up and it's going to be live in the world and I can't believe it. So Craft Your Big Goals is just the first part of a bigger course that's going to be called Focus for Real. And I came up with that title because so many systems promise to help you focus and uh, get more done and be more efficient, and they just don't deliver. So we're going to focus for real. This is a no-nonsense, no-BS course across the board. And in the course, I will be 
real. (laughs) I can get kind of sassy on the podcast and that is definitely going to carry through and I'm not going to be shy about saying when I think things are stupid as heck. But on this podcast, we are rated for all audiences and therefore I am a little bit more careful here than I will be in that course. Uh, You'll get a little bit of personality with your uh, life development, life development advice. So craft your big goal. Well, f- let's back up for a second. Uh, focus for real. The whole course is designed to take you through step by step from your biggest picture life ambitions, your passions and your big goals to take you through step by step from figuring those things out on down all the way to how to handle, manage, and organize day-to-day work. And it is everything from those two extremes in, in between. It is everything. I step you through all of these exercises. There are completely 100% unique, brand new exercises that I've come up with from all the research and study that I've done in this area, in self-development, in productivity, in goal setting, in time management and task management, all these things are blended into a single system that helps you to shortcut all of your decision making about what work you're going to do and making it toward achieving your goals. So if you have ever been stressed about knowing where you're going, if you've ever said to yourself, I don't know what my goals are, if you've ever said to yourself, I have an idea of what they are, but I have no idea where to start. Or if you've ever said to yourself, I am so buried under work, I have no idea what to do next. This course will be for you. So Craft Your Big Goals will release in the next few weeks, and it is the first part of the full course, and I am releasing it for a very special promotional and very short time offer. Um, The the price will only go up over time. I'm not a big discount model person, so the price is going to go up over time, and it's going to start for Craft Your Big Goals. It's going to start at $19, but as I said last week, uh, up until the the course actually launches, anyone who gets on my mailing list and uh, you know gives me your email so I can shoot you a note when it's ready will have access to Craft Your Big Goals for just $10. So, Get on that list now. It's at easiercast.com slash craft, C-R-A-F-T. And you can get on the list. Just go there. You don't have to, you know, you know. there's a whole landing page there with all the details. If you'd like to read it, I'd be more than happy to have you do that. But don't even feel like you need to. If you've heard enough and you're interested, go to easiercast.com slash craft, drop your name and your email and hit submit. And that will lock you in for just $10. You'll have access to this course. It's going to be at least a few hours. I mean, I'm thinking I haven't recorded it yet. But given how much content is coming in this, it's broken into three chapters. First, you will uncover your passions. Second, you will distill those passions into what I call draft goals. And third, you will craft your big goals from those two exercises it builds on itself. And it is completely guided. There are some really amazing exercises that you'll get to do as part of this course. So I'm really excited about it. I hope that you are too. Um, this show, if you're a part of this audience, it's it's right up the uh, alley of folks in the audience of Easier. So looking forward to it. Easiercast.com slash craft. I am very excited and hope that I will see you on the other side of the course. Okay, let's start talking about multitasking and why it's I'm really trying not to swear on this show, but it's, uh, yeah, it's that's a little tough. So multitasking is a myth. 
If you've got it on your resume, I'm hoping that by the time we're done with this little chit-chat, you're saying, what the heck was I thinking? And I hope that you're itching to get it off your resume and, and out of your vernacular because it doesn't exist. So where I started with this is I've known this for a while and we're going to cover kind of the, you know, the backstory of multitasking and kind of the, a little bit of the science of it. But what got me thinking about this right now is that I have just been leaving work lately freaking exhausted every day. I leave work and it's like my head is in a fog. And before, you know, I had to do a lot more. I had a lot more um, responsibility. I changed jobs partially. There were a lot of reasons, but I have a a lesser workload at my current um, employer with my current employer. And I have to do less physical movement because I'm at a desk even more than I was before. So you would think that I would leave, you know, less exhausted. That's not the case. I'm actually leaving like in a daze. Every day I leave, it's just like, oh my God, my head is just, it's like I, I, I walked up to my boss's office today and said, okay, I'm leaving. I'll, you know, decide when I get home, whether or not I'm going to set my head on fire. I'll let you know. Um, and she just laughed. Um, seriously, I leave in such a fog. So I've been trying to figure out what gives and I started to think about it, you know, optimize. That's my thing. And I am pinning this on the surface level on email. And here's kind of what I've been doing. And I am at a computer a lot more. And so I have a lot more of this bad habit uh, in my life. And I think this is what's contributing to it. And ultimately, it will be a commentary on multitasking, which I'm not deliberately doing. But for instance, I will open up my inbox and I'll open up an email. The first, I'll just read it like I wrote it. Open email one. I'll skim that email, then I'll decide, eh, there's too much to do, and switch to email two. And then, okay, I'll work on that and I'll respond. Then I'll open email three, I'll take a few minutes, and then I'll get the slight roadblock, and then I'll go back to one, and then I'll jump over to four. And it's another complex one, and I'll change again, and on, and on, and on. And I'm constantly shifting between emails. There's no focus, and there's no method. And the method that I'm doing actually mimics how most people do their work. This is a kind of a practical example of quote-unquote multitasking that people pride themselves on, and it's stupid. Okay, so your brain cannot do more than one thing at a time, except in cases where it's like a super ingrained habit where literally you can walk and chew gum at the same time because your brain has that completely baked in, that ability to chew and to walk. So you can do those two things at the same time. You also can do things like I'm going to put classical music on or lyricless music on in the background and read a book or do work, and that tends to be fine because it's not accessing the same centers of your brain. But the second you try to do two things at once that involve the same center of the brain, for instance, listening to lyric music and trying to do work, you find it a lot harder. Why is that? Well, it's actually because we do not have the capacity in our brains to quote-unquote multitask. We do what's called serial tasking. In other words, we're switching back and forth between tasks really, really fast. So if you think to yourself, oh, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to do that thing at the same time and I'm going to get them both done and it's going to be even better, think again because you're not doing yourself any service. You're actually causing what's called a cognitive switching penalty. You might also see this as switching cost. It depends on who you look at. But I liked that term, cognitive switching penalty. 
It comes from Josh Kaufman, who is the author of the book, The Personal MBA, and it's a phenomenal book. And also there's an article that he wrote that's online called What is the Cognitive Switching Penalty? Of course, I will have both in the show notes. Uh, And this is an idea that every time you switch between tasks, you suck up a little bit of mental energy. So I'm going to read a quote from Kaufman. It reads, in order to take action, your brain has to load the context of what you're doing into working memory. If you constantly switch the focus of your attention, you're forcing your brain to spend time and effort thrashing, loading, and reloading contexts over and over again. So the short version of that is, like I said, every time you switch, you waste energy. Your brain has to spend energy doing the switching. That is the problem inherently with multitasking because the more we do it, the more energy we expend that we waste, right? You know, we're switching back and forth. If we just focus, we wouldn't incur those penalties. And I've been doing that a lot because my habit with my email is to be so sporadic. And I think that's contributing in a large way to the exhaustion I feel because I'm doing that all day and I'm incurring far more cognitive switching penalties than I used to. And so it's draining my energy. Think about it. Have you ever gotten through a day where you've been like busting your butt all day on work and you get to the end and you feel like, A, you are no further along than you were before. You got nothing accomplished. But B, you also feel freaking exhausted. That's why. Uh, that's a Josh Kaufman idea as well. It reads, this is another quote, the cognitive switching penalty is why it's possible to spend an entire day multitasking, get nothing done, and feel exhausted at the end, like you've burned all your energy context switching instead of making actual progress. This is a problem, and we've got to knock this off. I can't even stand it when people are like, oh, can you multitask in an interview? That is such nonsense, and it is such a uh, old-fashioned and uh, stupid thing to ask. Multitasking is dumb. Focus is what we need. Another problem that arises is that it's even more significant when we have to do complex or creative work. This is work that requires us to build what's called a mental scaffold in our minds. We go through a series of thoughts step by step and as you continue through this, you know, down this train of thought, your mind is is focused on the context where you end up, right? You you build on where you went, right? So, what does that mean? It means that the second we destroy that mental scaffold, we have to recreate it. And the scaffold is really fragile. That's why they say that distractions are so bad, because they help to destroy those scaffolds. Um, they, They completely collapse whenever we get interrupted, and it takes a long time, an average of 25 minutes, according to a study out of the University of California, Irvine, Um, an average of 20 minutes to reconstruct those mental models. And so in the context of multitasking, it suggests two things to me. Number one, it suggests that it is nearly impossible to multitask and do creative complex work, really serial tasks, switching back and forth. You never get the opportunity to do creative or complex work when you're trying to serial task because you can't create the mental structure. You have no ability to build that model in your brain. And then two, we incur a huge penalty whenever we have to rebuild. So if we're in the middle of a project and we decide we're going to flip over to something else because we're multitasking, it just wastes so much energy. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, we're, we're really expending energy to have to rebuild those models. So especially in the case of creative or complex work, but in any work, multitasking is dumb and we should knock it off. So there's a quick test that you can do that proves that multitasking is a myth 
and that you end up more fatigued. It's actually pretty clever, and I did it myself, and the results are quite interesting. So it's two steps, and they're really simple, and you just need like a piece, a single piece of paper, um, like a normal letter-sized piece of paper or a notebook and something to write with. So you're going to take on one side of the page, you're going to get a blank sheet of paper, and you're going to draw a horizontal line across the middle to divide it. Ideally, you'd put it in portrait, like you'd have it portrait orientation, but landscape will be fine too. Either way works. This is going to be a timed exercise, so you'll want to make sure you understand how the exercise worked before you you know, actually set the timer. So at this point, you once you have the line drawn across the middle, you'd start the timer, and these are the things you'll do. In the top half of the page, you just write the sentence, I am a great multitasker. And then in the bottom half, on the bottom section, you simply write the numbers 1 through 20 in order, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and so on until you're done. That sentence on the top, 1 through 20 on the bottom, stop the timer. Note how long that took. Then you'll flip that piece of paper over to the back, you'll divide it exactly the same way as before, and then you'll start the timer, but this time you're going to write the same phrases, you're going to write the same I am a great multitasker on top and the numbers 1 through 20 on the bottom. However, this time, instead, you're going to do it one character at a time, alternating top to bottom. So, for example, on top, you'd write I, then you go to the bottom and write one. And then the top is A, bottom two, top M, bottom three, and so on. And did you notice that I actually stumbled just, re- I literally have it written down in front of me. And as I'm trying to visualize this exercise in my brain, did you notice that my my speaking was kind of disjointed? I was multitasking right there and you could hear it break my speech up because I had to switch contexts. When I did this, uh, and by the way, once you finish the, the whole phrase on top and bottom, alternating back and forth, you stop the timer and then you see how long it took. When I did this exercise, it took me 25 seconds to do step one, just writing at a normal pace, not trying to rush to beat the time. Then I did step two, and it took 59 seconds, nearly more than double, and nearly three times as long to do the exact same work, and I ended up confused, maybe not confused is the right word, but I ended up more fatigued, I was definitely more tired at the end of that exercise, even just that little bit, And I made mistakes that I didn't make before because I had to focus going back and forth and back and forth and load and unload, load and unload. And yeah, I made mistakes where I actually had to scribble stuff out. But before, the first time, I just went and wrote because I was focused. Multitasking does not work, okay? (laughs) I hope I've driven that point home. So uh, yeah, it's, it's nonsense. All right. So now that we're on the same page that multitasking is crap, how do you knock it off? Well, that's the big thing, right? I'm actually working to break my own bad habits. So here are some strategies that I'm using or I'm trying. All right. Number one, the important thing to do is to identify when you multitask, identify when that happens and actually start to take note of where the problem occurs. You can't solve a problem if you don't recognize it in the first place. And I'm noticing it now whenever I'm doing email. And then there's some kind of caveats there because I'll be trying to process my email and I'll have thoughts about other things that come up. And I'll want to switch. And there's just it's it's kind of complicated. But at least knowing that I am switching back and forth helps me to cut it down dramatically, just noticing it. Then number two is to be deliberate in your work. 
consciously make a decision about how long you're going to spend working and what you're going to do in that time block. The more specific you do it, the better because it allows you to benchmark the things that come in and out of your brain to say, yes, I should do X because that fits in this thing that I'm doing versus no, I should do Y or I should not do Y because it doesn't. When you consciously declare that in your brain, you've given yourself focus on, you know, you've given your your brain the ability to decide yes on this and no on that. Then number three is to have a system for tracking multitasks. And this is a word that I made up uh, and I think it's pretty good, but you might be wondering, and this is what I was wondering, that if I'm only going to work on one type of task at a time, what should I do if I have ideas that come up for other stuff? And yeah, that's a good question because there's really no clear-cut answer and um, I'm trying to come up with a potential solution. So here's what I've come up with. I created a place to track all of my multitasks and I'm using that as a noun now, not as a verb. Multitasks I'm defining as all the tasks, ideas, thoughts I have while I'm focused but that I still want to remember. So the problem is, is that in order to remember things, remember our brains, I've talked about this before, they're terrible, terrible at remembering things. They're good at coming up with stuff, but not at storage. So the problem here is that we're kind of in a catch-22. We don't want to change our focus because we don't want to incur a cognitive switching penalty. But at the same time, sometimes we do have ideas we need to retain, right? Especially if things, oh yeah, I forgot I got to do this. It's important. You don't want to forget that stuff. So you want to make sure you record it. So here's the compromise in my mind. I figured the less friction I can put between me and capturing that task or idea, the less of a switching penalty I will incur. So the goal here is to come up with a system that will allow us to completely eliminate or as much as we can eliminate the friction of capturing ideas. And so the system that I have come up with is a little complex, um, at least in practice, I think to set it up. But once you've got your mind wrapped around it, it's complex. But I think the simpler version is just have a pen and a notebook sitting on your, your desk as you're working or wherever you're working to make sure that you've got a quick place you can jot down ideas and get right back to work. The key is to get them out and then leave them alone. You don't have to act on them that second. You can always, if you're doing a 30 minute work block at the end of 30 minutes, come back. So that's the simple way. The complex way that I do isn't that complex, but it does require a little bit of tech. I'm not a, I think writing is too slow in this context. I'm not a uh, a handwritten kind of person in this. I can type much faster than I can write. And so I want to get these ideas out of my head and I want to do so in a way that makes sense. Well, I'm also not a, I want to pull out my phone to track something because there are way, usually way too many steps between my brain and the system to store it. Now I've streamlined that the best I can and that's fine. But I think the best way I've come up with for this is I'm using Todoist, which is the tool that I talked about last week in episode 56. And I created a multitasks project within Todoist. And then on my computer, I've got the older version of the Todoist desktop app installed. The reason I picked the older version is because it's got some helpful keyboard shortcuts that the new one does not. You can download and install it still from Todoist, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But you get that software, and there are shortcuts to allow you to quickly add a task into your system. No matter where you are on your computer, you can hit Control-Shift-A or Command-Shift-A on a Mac, and it will pull up the quick add window, and you have an immediate place to type. So I'm working, I'm doing email, and oh, I come up with this idea, Control-Shift-A, and it pulls up the window really fast. And then I've created another shortcut, 
in a tool called Text Expander, which is a fantastic tool that allows you to create abbreviations or snippets for longer text uh, by creating little shortcuts. So I have my shortcut, which is semicolon MU, which inserts the project name into that window. So it inserts hashtag multitasks, which is the way of triggering a project when you're typing a task into Doist. And basically that eliminates more friction. I just type semicolon MU, it pops in the full thing. I type in the task name really fast and hit enter and I go back to work. So the short version is control shift A, semicolon MU, write the task down, enter, done, back to work. That's it. That's the system I've come up with to at least minimize the cognitive switching penalties with associated with tracking that important task. So that is, I think, the best method I've come up with so far. If you've got a better idea about how to, to handle this where you're working, you don't want to break your focus, but you came up with something you want to keep track of, definitely, definitely let me know. Head over to the comments section in the show notes, easiercast.com slash 57. Drop a comment there to let me know what you think. And if anyone comes up with some good ideas, I'd love to share them with everybody in a follow-up episode. So then there's one more strategy I'd like to share with you, and we're going to go a little bit uh, into it. And we've talked, I think, briefly about this idea before, but it's called task batching. And if you haven't heard of it before, you know what it is intuitively because you've probably done it without putting this label on it. But as we've talked about, I'm bad at processing my email, and so I'm trying to batch this instead. And according to Michael Hyatt, who's a thought leader and a self-development guru, Uh, he says that task batching is the grouping of similar tasks that require similar resources in order to streamline their completion. The short version of that is grouping, then doing similar stuff together. So the strategy, the way I've labeled this, the vernacular I've chosen, is that I call it creating task buckets. Putting all the similar tasks into buckets, you break down whatever you're working on at the smallest possible pieces that are similar, put them into buckets, and then do buckets one, two, three in order. And you do all the stuff in one bucket before you move on to the next. So let's think about baking cookies, right? This is an example that I think everyone can kind of get behind. Most people have probably done this, or you can at least relate to the steps to where it makes sense. So you've already batched, but let's consider what it would be like to bake cookies without batching. Basically what you'd have to do is you would go to the kitchen, get everything out of the fridge and the pantry that you needed, mix the recipe for just one cookie, prepare the baking tray, roll out that one little cookie, bake it, decorate it, and then start all over and do task, you know, the the second cookie and the third. That's exactly the same as doing the, I'm going to write out all the letters of the first sentence, and then I'm going to write all the numbers as one batch of, uh, as one bucket. Write the sentence is a bucket, write the numbers is another bucket, and we do them one and then the other. Obviously, we're not not going to do baking cookies like the way I just described it, because it is going to take infinitely long. It will be ridiculous. Obviously, we're not going to do that. So we batch instead. So we have a number of buckets that we have, and we do them one at a time. So the first bucket is to get all your tools and ingredients, get them laid out. That's another way of saying your mise en place. Now, maybe some people don't do that, but you're really supposed to. So let's just assume that that's one. Okay, moving on to the actual cooking or baking part. The second bucket is to mix the dough, and you do enough dough for all the cookies that you'd like to have. 
The third bucket is to prepare the baking trays. Again, enough for all of them. The fourth is to roll out all the cookies. And this is important here, right? You're not going to roll out one cookie, then bake it, then blah, blah, blah. You do each bucket as a whole unit before moving on. Number five is you bake. Number six is you decorate or whatever follow-up task. And then you're done, obviously, and then clean up. But you get the idea. You're doing the buckets one by one, and you're trying to break them into the smallest pieces that make sense. So when can you use this strategy? Well, obviously processing email is one way and baking cookies is another. You could do it for meal prep. You could do it for grading. If you're a teacher or any kind of instructor, you could use it for grading. You can do it for folding laundry. I used it to prepare this episode. I'm trying to be better about using less or taking less cognitive switching penalties as I write the episodes because what I've done in the past is I've kind of... Uh, been a little sloppy about how I do the work. I switch back and forth, you know, I jump back and forth between buckets way too much. So I will jump in, I'll start researching, I'll come up with some links, I'll put them in my outline, then I'll start I start drafting and I'll write some stuff up and then I realize, oh, I got some more stuff and then I'll go get a picture and then I'll do, and I'm all over the place. And this time I tried batching and wow, was it better. I had more energy when I was done and I got it done faster by breaking it into buckets. So here are the buckets that I used and this is kind of the the method I used for drafting the show notes for this week's episode. So bucket number one was to decide on the topics I wanted to cover. Number two is did all the keyword research. Three, I got my headline done. And those three I pretty much did as buckets before because I would always get those done first. But then this is where I've kind of streamlined here. Number four is to outline and then kind of some sub buckets underneath. So in outline, I did first, in my outline, I added all the key concepts and then I went and found all the sources and I grabbed all the affiliate links and then I organized all of the stuff in a way that made sense. So now I've got a really nicely completed outline and I did it all in one process. Basically, it's outline research is the bucket. Then I transferred the idea the outline to a new post. So I wrote out all the section headings, right? So I took all the key concepts in the outline. I made those section headings. I brought in all the key ideas. I brought in all the sources and the links. Now I have all of the resources already in there. All I had left to do was number six and expand each section. And as I was writing, oh, I've got my affiliate link right there. Click, done. Oh, I've got my source there. Click, done. And I was able to just focus on writing versus writing, then I got to go back and research, then I got to edit this, and then then, uh, the last step is to briefly skim and revise, and then I was done. That was it. So that's a way of using batching for writing. And then a final example I'll give you on this is laundry. I actually gave it back in episode uh, little 10, little number 10, for it was called Three Helpful Laundry Hacks. And I used these amazing mesh bags and the method I did and the hack I shared then was to, whenever you, you hang one of these up on the back of your door or wherever, and anytime you take off socks, you put your socks in the bag. And then when it's time to do laundry, you zip the bag up, toss it in and all your socks stay together, which is such a nice little hack. And so I took this a step further and I believe I shared this uh, in this hack as well as to how to fold socks, but it makes use of the batching idea where you have three task buckets for folding the socks and you can expand this to the whole pile of laundry, but your socks are all together. So you just dump them out in a pile. That's task bucket one. 
Bucket number two is to identify all the matching pairs and you lay them together neatly so they're all kind of uh, next to each other and you know they're 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 ready to be folded. And number three is you fold each pair. And remember, you do the buckets in order. No matching a pair and then folding. You match, 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 and then fold, 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 fold. And it cuts down on the number of times you're switching between tasks. And this is obviously minimal. You're not going to save that much time. But just being able to optimize it easily is nice. And it works. So it's faster. And I definitely think it's worth uh, giving that a shot because it saves you time. And I think ultimately, if you did that with laundry, I could expand this and say, all right, we're going to put all our shirts here. We're going to process the laundry and then fold it. So put all the shirts in a pile. We're going to put all the, the pants, blah, 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 and then go through and fold all the shirts, go through and fold all the pants. And I bet that actually would speed up laundry folding quite a lot. So try this. It works. Batching works and it helps to uh, prevent multitasking and it helps also to uh, avoid those cognitive switching penalties. Okay, I'm including one kind of a bonus idea, I guess, this week because it's related, but um, I wanted to share it here to expand on the idea of being deliberate about your work. You also want to be deliberate about your breaks because the break time allows your brain some time off, allows your brain some time to think, and it helps to regain some of that energy perhaps that you lost from your cognitive switching penalties. So many of you may have heard of the Pomodoro technique, but just in case you haven't, it's the short version of it is you work in 30-minute blocks, 25 minutes of work, and then a five-minute break. And you repeat that four times, and at the end, you take a 15-minute break after the four, and then lather, rinse, repeat. And this strategy is all right. I've tried it, and it doesn't work well for me because I find 25 minutes to be too short of an amount of time before I want to take a break, before I want to break my mental scaffolds deliberately, right? You, have to, you stop, you break the mental scaffold, 25 minutes isn't long enough. So as I was researching, I came across uh, an article from Medium, the, the website Medium, and they reference a study done by a time management app called Desk Time, which I have no experience with, but the idea was intriguing, so that's why I'm including it. But they explain that in uh, their study, they discovered that the most productive people work for 52 minutes and take a 17-minute break. And I find those times really, really intriguing. They're kind of uh, I don't even know the right word. <laughs> they're, they're not symmetrical, right? They, they just aren't even. I like that about that. It's, it's a little bit different. So I'm trying this 52-17 strategy. It's a longer period of time for work and a longer period of time for break, and I want to see how that works. So I'm going to try that, and I'll uh, report back on how that works in a future episode. Thank you so much for being a part of the easier audience. If you love the show, I could use your help. There are monthly costs with keeping the show going and to help reduce that cost, I use special affiliate links to Amazon. That means that whenever I recommend a product and you then use my link to buy it, I make a small commission. You don't pay a penny more for that product. Amazon just cuts me a tiny percent. In addition to clicking on my products, you can also use the link easiercast.com slash Amazon to shop Amazon for any product at all on any kind of device, mobile, desktop, tablet. That link, easiercast.com slash Amazon, will take you to Amazon's homepage and you can shop just like you always would. But this will generate extra commissions to support future episodes of Easier. And again, it won't cost you a penny more. 
please consider using my link to shop on Amazon. Again, easiercast.com slash Amazon. Or if you are planning to purchase one of my favorite things, head to the show notes for the episode and click the link. The tiniest commissions add up to making a real difference and any support for easier is so appreciated. All right, let's get back to the show. All right, we're rounding the corner of the episode, and this week we've got a favorite thing, and I have referenced it now in three episodes, and today is the first time it's actually formally made it into my favorite things, and it's those uh, Begale laundry bag mesh bags. It's a really weird way they put that. I think they're trying to keyword optimize for Amazon. <laughs> I just I never read it out loud before. I always just read mesh bags, uh, and I never <laughs> I never read Begale laundry bag mesh bags. What a stupid anyway. That that's really they. That's why some of these products are named so funky on Amazon. So they're searchable from their headlines. Anyway, they are the mesh bags that I use for laundry. So they'll work for batching, which is the way I'm connecting them to this episode, and I don't even care. Um, they are so fantastic. I got a set of six or five, a set of five, and I had a set, and I talked about this back in episode number two forever ago about how to keep up with laundry, and then, like I said, little 10. And um, back in two, I mentioned that I had some older bags that I got on Amazon, and they shredded in the dryer after not very much use. These I've had for a year and a half now, and they have not even changed their appearance. They are so great. They're mesh. You can put, you know, whatever clothes. They come in five sizes in the set. You can put whatever clothes that will fit in them, zip them shut. And then I also love they've got like a little elastic loop on the side where you can tuck the zipper in. And what that does is it prevents it from like scratching and scraping in the dryer, which is better for the dryer. And it's also a lot less loud. Uh, So... They're fantastic. They're inexpensive. I think they're like six or seven dollars for a set of five. Um, they're amazing. And if you have not had a chance to purchase these, do it and hang them up or stick them in a drawer. Um, you know, and as you take off your socks, use them for that. You will never again lose another sock, and you don't have to fish them out of the dryer or the wash, which is such a freaking hassle. So amazing, amazing product. And they're such a great little time saver that just makes doing laundry that much less annoying. So give them a shot. I'm going to read the name again, just because it's so stupid. The Begale, B-A-G-A-I-L, laundry bag mesh bags. And of course you can find them in the show notes. I will have links or you can head over to my favorites on the website and you can find them there too. Right, that's it for episode 57. It's time for our weekly roundup. Remember, head to easiercast.com slash craft to get in on the early bird special for my course called Craft Your Big Goals. It's my mini course, which is a part of the broader um, Focus for Real course that I think everybody in the audience, you all are going to love it. It's it's really, I mean, I'm just so proud of the work that I've done on this and the, the, the effort and the research and it's just it's really going to be pretty special. So I think you'll, you'll love uh, getting in on the ground floor because I will definitely treat all of my uh, early subscribers um, for the course to some special perks throughout. You'll get the best pricing. You might get early access to some things, maybe some exclusives. So definitely get in on the ground floor while it is uh, before it's even launched. There's no cost to get on the, the waiting list. And, um, you know, I'll just shoot you a note. Anyone who gets on it at easiercast.com slash craft will be eligible for that special pricing. So head there now, 
And don't wait because it's undisclosed how much more time it's going to take me to finish, but I'm really only thinking a couple weeks. So I'm thinking mid-December. All right. So get on it now before you forget. Okay, uh, if you're looking for the show notes, easiercast.com slash episode number is where you can always find them. So this week, that's number 57. So easiercast.com slash 57. Everything from today's episode, space for comments, favorite things, links to subscribe, find me on Facebook, everything there at easiercast.com slash 57. Finally, as I say every single week, if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips that I've covered in this episode, please, please be sure to share it with them. Hopefully every share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them. As always, thank you so much for listening. And until next week, here's to an easier life. Bye for now.